for last right, call. Uh, for the sake of the roll call, um, Chairman? President Dunlow. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Walden? Present. Thank you, sir. Commissioner Gilliard? Here. Present. Thank you, sir. Commissioner Bowen? Oh, I heard him on there. Um, Commissioner Thrift? Present. Commissioner Fraser? I'm present. Thank you, sir. Commissioner Thank you, sir. I've come all the way around the bench. Um, uh, the county attorney, Kelly Davis, is here. Uh, again, for the record, uh, Sheriff Sykes is on the line, and Angela Hartley, chief nurse uh, for Liberty County um, Department of uh, Health, is here also. Uh, there was an invite extended to the call. Uh, Joe Parker, were you able to make it? Joe Parker. Uh, Lewis Levine? Okay. They were provided uh, the call in information in a listen-only mode. Um, so, uh, Mr. Chairman, for the record, you got a quorum here and uh, a proper notice has been provided uh, as required by EPGA uh, for an open meeting, for, for a, a public meeting. Okay, sir. Thank you. We'll call our meeting to order today. <clears throat> let's, <clears throat> let's go ahead and, go and do our invocation. Um, if there ever was a time to pray, it's now. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to come together now. Uh, we ask for your presence. We ask for your uh, comfort. We ask for your wisdom as we navigate this season of uncertainty. We ask you for your hand of protection among God's people everywhere, not just here, but everywhere. Uh, bless these leaders who have give, been given this awesome responsibility to look after your people. Help us to do the best that we can for the good and welfare of the citizens who we serve. We ask you for the Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Following the agenda that's been printed, <clears throat> I want to go ahead and since we have Ms. Hartley on the line, I want to hold her up. I just want you to give, <clears throat> excuse me, if you will, an update on um, what's going on in the coastal district, specifically Liberty County. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, as of um, 7 o'clock last night, uh, with the <clears throat> reporting that's done for the confirmed cases in the state of Georgia, we now have 5,444 um, cases of confirmed COVID-19 in the state of Georgia, and we have 1,129 hospitalizations in the state of Georgia, and in the state of Georgia, we have 176 deaths now in the state of Georgia from COVID-19. In Liberty County specifically, as of the 7 o'clock update last night, we have seven confirmed cases of COVID. Um, in our coastal health district that serves eight counties in this area, we have 97 confirmed cases at this point, and we have had four deaths in the district. We have not had any deaths in Liberty County at this point. Um, with that being said, we have seven confirmed cases, but we do know that COVID-19 is also um, has asymptomatic spread. So even though we only have seven cases that are confirmed, there is more people than those seven that are infected with COVID-19 in Liberty County. Um, we know that those are just the, those are the people that are tested and have confirmed test results. But there are also people that um, are not having significant symptoms, so they haven't gotten a test, 
or people that don't have symptoms that may be spreading the virus to others. Uh, now, with our district, we, um, we have a couple of um, test sites uh, doing drive-through testing, in, one in Chatham and one in Glen. And um, healthcare providers can assess their um, clients, and they can um, call the state and get um, get you know see if their client is able to be tested, and then if so, they'll get a referral to those test sites in Savannah and in Brunswick. We don't have a drive-through test site here in Liberty as of yet with DPH. Okay. And, uh, right now. Right now, we do not have plans. Uh, there has been a problem with um, having significant testing supplies. Hopefully, that will get better. But right now, there's very there's been limited testing supplies available. Okay. Um, from what I'm reading today, <clears throat> excuse me, sound segment, um, the social distancing is 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 the best way we can um, fight this thing. Am I right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That is the best uh, method to fight this is social distancing. Just like I said, there's evidence that there's asymptomatic spread and that people with symptoms could be contagious two days prior to developing symptoms. So with that being said, there's no way to know who is contagious and who has this virus. So the best, um, best measure to take is to social distance yourself at least six feet from other individuals at all times because you don't know who's contagious and who is not contagious. And that's our best way to protect ourselves is to stay away from other individuals. Uh, any other questions for Ms. Anthony from the commissioners? I, well, I, I just have a quick question, Chair. I, I heard uh, it was stated about the uh, the lack of, of testing uh, equipment. So uh, do, do we have a, a lack of testing uh, kit in Liberty County as well, or are, are you just saying the, uh, the coastal region? With, with DPH, we don't have a testing site here in Liberty County, but Liberty Regional does have testing kits. So we do have testing kits in the county but we don't have a drive-through location for DPH in the county. Okay. Anybody else? All right. Mr. Chairman, I have one question. Um, just, just, um, I've had a few questions. Let someone wakes up in the morning, they got a sore throat or sniffles or whatever, can they go to the to Liberty Regional and... Um, and ask to be tested. Ms. you want to answer that? It, it is advised that anyone that has symptoms, they try to call their health care provider first uh, if their health care provider is open, and then that way their health care provider can advise them if they meet the criteria to be tested. Because the shortest, shortage of testing supplies, everyone with symptoms will not always be tested. If they're a mild case and they're not um, a high-risk group, they may not be able to be tested at this time. Uh, also, it's advised that you call Liberty Regional before you just appear at the emergency room if you are desiring to be tested. They need to know that you're coming. They need to be prepared for you. Um, 
so that we can minimize exposure to other individuals. Uh, Angela, Marion, uh, the uh, temperature is still, what, 100.4? That is what's considered a fever, 100.4. Um, however, just like I said, there are people that are not having any symptoms that have been shown to have the virus. So just because you don't have a fever does not mean that you don't have the virus. Okay. Angela. Yes. And this is Eddie Wald, and I was going to ask you, this information, um, it's already out in on the web and uh, in paper about calling the hospital beforehand. I mean, is, is that yes. out there? Yes, it is out there. It's on our website. It's on the hospital's website. It is out there. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Any further questions? Um, Y'all, you need to know that, uh, of course, the, the, you've seen the news like I had the hot spots of New York and, and out west of Florida, and I was bad to that. So those folks are going to get the um, priority attention, even when it comes to testing kits, the actual testing. You know, of course, now the governor has opened up a few, uh, let's see, I think MCG, uh, Emory, places like that in Georgia. Uh, so those areas will be supplied with the kits when they're first available. And then the smaller markets like ours, I'm thank God we are smaller markets because we have, our numbers are lesser. Um, but that's how that's going to be done. Even the PPEs, all those kind of things will hit the hot spots first and then find their way to the, uh, to the smaller communities. So we are in line. Connie. We, we are in line. Mr. Chairman, this is Connie. Is Liberty Regional able to house, house patients? <laughs> That would be a question for my infection prevention nurse. Uh, we have had a patient here um, who was discharged home. That's a good success story, good success story. Um, yeah. But we're not trying to, there'll be a more likely shift to Memorial in Savannah. Okay, all right, mm -hmm. thank you. Okay, uh, Mr. Chair, just uh, one more question as well. Uh, with, uh, with the seven, uh, in this suggestion, uh, Frazier, by the way, uh, just about the seven uh, positive tests in Liberty County. Is, is that included for Stewart as well with those numbers? With those numbers, with the seven, with Fort Stewart, it's a little bit difficult to see those numbers reflected in the count because their, their tests are being reported under their county of residence. So just because they were tested at Fort Stewart and Liberty County does not mean that that test result is necessarily going to show up under Liberty County's numbers. Um, so yes and no to that question. If they're a resident of Liberty County, then it should show up there. But if they're not, it may not. And also, there's several, if you look at the DPH website, the numbers that come out twice a day, at the bottom of the list of counties, there's there's a large number that say county unknown. And the reason it says county unknown is that when the laboratories are electronically submitting this data to DPH, sometimes the county is not coming across with that data. So they have those, those numbers of those cases, but they don't have the county attached to some of it. So that could be some of also what might be going on with Fort Stewart, or it could be recorded under a county that the, um, Soldier lives in besides Liberty. Uh, 
Can, can I piggyback there just a, a second? Um, we've been having some calls with the garrison commander. Uh, one was yesterday. And so um, he won't give out specifics too much because the DOD guidelines for force protection, um, as he put it, didn't want the bad guys to know how forces might be impacted. So they're not allowed to publish press releases. Uh, but what they do, uh, like Angela said, is they are required to report to the Coastal Health District. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, you need to know that, too. There, there won't be anything forthcoming from any DOD source that says, hey, this is how many soldiers we got affected uh, by the virus at any location. Angela, uh, Marion, uh, can, you give, can you give us an update on any coming from the homeless and from nursing homes in our region? Uh, I haven't heard much about the homeless here. I mean, here we have the homeless prevention, but we don't have any shelters or anything like that here in Liberty County. Um, nursing homes, uh, I haven't heard anything particular about the nursing homes here in Liberty County. we got the one in Midway. I haven't heard a report on them and what is being done in specifics there. Uh, as far as I know, everything is fine with nursing homes and homeless population. I haven't heard of any cases in those areas. All right, that's good. Thank you. Uh, uh, do, do we have a number of uh, people who have, have been tested? I know uh, you're saying we have seven positive tests, but, I mean, are, are people getting tested? We do not we do not have county specific numbers on that now. We we did at one point when it was early on we would get a notification of every person of, under investigation, but they are not doing that now um, and breaking that down to the county. We do not know exactly how many tests are being done in Liberty County and we also have multiple labs that are running these tests. So that information um, we do not have exactly how many tests that are being done, or we're not provided that at the local level. So those labs will have to report any positive guys. Right, right. They they don't have to report every test in and all, but they have to report the labs have to report all positives. Okay. okay. I, I I just want to make sure that you know the ones in Liberty County are are being tested. You know. Um, I mean, the numbers sound, you know, well, actually, since the last time we had, had a meeting, uh, you know, the numbers were significantly, significantly uh, lower than they are now. So that was just my concern about, you know, people getting tested. Right, and it's, it's a process to get tested because they have to see a provider first, and they have to have an order to be tested. Right. But as a my infection prevention nurse here says, just know that as more people are tested, you will pick up more positives. Correct. Right. The numbers the numbers are going to rise. Okay, so let's not fool ourselves that I'm, that our numbers are going to be where they are now. They will rise. They will rise. They will rise. Okay. Social distancing. Hand washing. Staying home if you're sick. All those things are very important to us right now. Xander, we appreciate you. Um, Thank you, sir. 
we may, we may want to have you call in on future meetings if that's all right with you. Okay, that's fine, sir. Just let me know. Thank you very much for what you did. Okay, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Um, discussion of supplemental emergency declarations. Mr. Brown, Mr. Davis on the line. Davis is here. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, following the issuance of the governor's executive order last night, and uh, after reading related handouts and commentary, some of which were provided by ACCG, there existed uh, a good deal of confusion regarding certain aspects of the order. The two of principal concern to me, and I think to our local government, was one, the authority of the sheriff to enforce Governor Kemp's executive order, and two, the effect that his order would have on remedial provisions passed uh, by your uh, executive emergency declaration. And those remedial measures, you folks remember, varied from waiver of penalties interest and abalone tax payments to a suspension of disconnect orders on water service provided by the county uh, and a variety of other remedial measures. Uh, commentary suggested that those remedial measures uh, would be suspended as well. And I, I think that's wrong, and I'll discuss that later. Uh, and there was also some discussion um, uh, regarding the sheriff's ability to enforce these uh, executive order uh, protective measures. And I think that's settling down. I'm not sure what the sheriff has heard, but um, but I'm confident that both, one, the sheriff can enforce uh, the Governor, Governor Kemp's executive order. Uh, state law uh, specifically authorized the sheriff to enforce uh, misdemeanor violations, particularly those arising from violations of emergency orders. So state law is clear on the issue. Uh, but if you folks, if you had a chance to review Governor Kemp's executive order in detail, there's one provision which uh, provides that only uh, certain designated state officials and others deputized by the governor will have the authority to close any business violating the provisions of the executive order. And I think that was interpreted by some to uh, to deny the sheriff the authority you would generally have under state law to enforce the executive order. I don't think that's true. Uh, and But in any event, so as to make certain that the sheriff has authority to enforce the provisions of the executive order in Liberty County, I prepared a uh, supplemental emergency order, which essentially adopts in total the governor's protective measures set forth in its executive order as local protective measures. So they are both not only protective measures enforceable under the governor's executive order, but upon passage of this uh, emergency order will be protective measures that are enforceable under our local emergency declaration as well. Um, secondly, I've made clear that the remedial measures passed by us, approved by us previously, are preserved and are unaffected by the governor's executive order. And the basis for that is that the governor's executive order suspended enforcement of uh, inconsistent local emergency declarations, i.e. those that weren't identical to his executive order. Uh, but as you folks know, there is none of our remedial measures require enforcement. They, they were self-executing uh, when they were passed and require no enforcement at all. So I don't think they are affected in any way by the governor's executive order, even though ACC literature indicates otherwise. I've had discussions with attorneys with ACC since the issuance of their handout, and I think they concur with me. 
Uh, so, but anyway, I, I'm confident of both these issues, but just to make certain, we prepared this emergency order to address uh, the concerns that have been initially raised. Uh, and that's what the uh, that's what the emergency order does. It's been uh, emailed to you, and I'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. I guess I, I, guess I should also note the governor's executive order is very specific. Not only are any existing uh, local emergency orders, which vary in any way from his executive order, suspended. But you cannot pass any um, local emergency order after the effective date of his executive order unless it's designed to enforce the executive order. Now, what that means is unclear. But, um, but in any event, we have the absolute right to pass an emergency order prior to 6 p.m. this evening. That's the effective date of his order. And so that's why I quickly prepared the attached emergency order and have encouraged you folks to adopt it this morning prior to the 6 p.m. Uh, deadline. Well, Kelly. Yep. Kelly, this is Eddie. Uh, yes, sir. So the order, the order basically what we're looking at this part right here is to make sure that the sheriff has full power and authority to control this thing and that would also give him the ability in an emergency situation if he needed extra resources that would not have to be an executive order that could be done by his department and the board yeah i think so if you're talking about budgetary reallocations and additional funds yes those wouldn't have to be through an emergency order you folks could just meet like you are now and quickly address those issues um and i, I, I think julian and i are saying I said, I, that's what I was wondering about because I just, I was wondering, you know, some of these larger places that's got big problems. And I mean, obviously bigger than us where they're, they're bringing in the national guard and stuff like that. I think that is a, sometimes it's because of the resources that's up there. And I, um, I just want to make sure that that was the case. We, we don't have to go back through the governor for another, executive order we could do that locally yeah there's an argument made and i think it's probably a legitimate argument that if you want to allocate additional funds to the sheriff for enforcement purposes for the public health emergency that that would be consistent with his order because his order does allow emergency orders to be issued by local governments after the effective date of his executive order so long as they're designed to enforce his executive order so you could argue that the reallocation of funds to the sheriff would be designed for that purpose. But just to be safe, I would just have the board meet by telephone and authorize, you know, any additional funds you know, without issuing an emergency order. That, that way you're, you're, there's no doubt that you're in compliance with the executive order. Okay. All right. Thank you. And, and Joey and I are scheduled, I think, to discuss the sheriff and Chief Deputy Long is, you know, the mechanics of enforcement, but you know, the governor's order is also fairly clear that I think that, you know, the sheriff cannot uh, close businesses in violation of the governor's executive order. Only designated state officials and those deputized for that purpose can. Um, now, whether the, whether the governor later will deputize local sheriffs for that purpose is unknown. Uh, but until then, you know, the, the sheriff is free to enforce all other provisions of the executive order. And, uh, you know, the governor and 
contemplates through the executive order that notice will first be given to any um, any offenders. And I think that's what the sheriff and, and Deputy Long have discussed too. You know, we want to make sure that the public observes the protective measures put in place by the governor, but you know, we're not uh, interested in disrupting people's lives and imposing uh, severe civil penalties or uh, incarcerating them for violations of the executive order. So we'll, 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 the sheriff and through his deputies will ensure that ample notice is given to anyone uh, because this is confusing to many people, not only professionals who are interpreting the executive order, but to the public as well. It's quite a lot to digest, and um, I don't anticipate anyone being cited or uh, detained for a violation unless the offenses are you know, willful and grievous. So we'll be discussing that with the sheriff and chief deputy long uh, later today. Kelly, 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 this is Marion. So straighten, straighten me out. So hmm? law, local law enforcement right now does not have the authority to close any doors, right? Uh, it's it's uncertain, but that, that, that's my opinion. Yes, sir. Uh, based on the governor's executive order, I think that's uh, restricted to designated state officials. That's right. Okay. But, now, but what the sheriff can do, if, if, we, if we know of any uh, business that's violating the governor's executive order, the sheriff definitely has the authority to go in, inspect the uh, business operations, and you know issue a notice advising that they are not in compliance. And he can refer the matter to appropriate state officials for further investigation and citation if needed. So, so actually, the same would apply for a large crowd of people. No, I think uh, the sheriff has uh, the authority under the executive order and state law to enforce those provisions without without state involvement. Basically, the only thing the sheriff can't do, the only provisions he can't directly enforce and issue citations for arrest people for would be the closure of businesses. All other provisions of the executive order, he has authority both through state statute and now by virtue of our local emergency declaration to, uh, to both cite people and arrest them, arrest uh, offenders. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, but we have been looking at the um, uh, declaration from, uh, I think, Bullock County where they had the uh, curfew in place. So, so the the governor's order changes that, so Blue County is not able to enforce that? That's right. Yeah, I think as most of you know, I, well, we had a conference call with the, the mayors earlier in the week, and the plan was for all the cities in the county, as well as the county, to issue a joint emergency order so that both law enforcement and the public would have uh, one document they could refer to uh, and to determine what's permitted and what's not during the state of emergency. And we were going to supplement that that joint emergency declaration uh, with whatever uh, protective measures that the governor put in place. But uh, the governor's orders order was a little more uh, comprehensive and a little more restrictive with respect to local enforcement than we anticipated. So any existing emergency order that not only that. It, 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 you can you can impose more severe restrictions, uh, Mr. Chairman. In response to your uh, your question, you know the governor's orders had no separate curfew. One's really not needed if you have a mandatory shelter in place. But for those jurisdictions that have more severe or restrictive protective measures, they're unable to enforce those as well. 
So if a local order differs in any way from the governor's executive order, those provisions are suspended and cannot be enforced by local law enforcement. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. I wanted to hear from you. Yes, sir. But by this exact by this emergency order, we are suspending all provisions of our emergency order that are in conflict with the governor's orders and adopting uh, his protective measures by incorporation. We're basically, to the details, our local protective measures now will mirror the governor's protective measures so that the sheriff will be certain that he has the authority to enforce the same. Uh, uh, Kelly and Mr. Chairman, I, I just wanted to say one thing. I, I think that uh, that meeting with the local um, municipalities and with, um, I guess, Joy was there and, and, and Donald, you were there. I, I think um, getting on one sheet, singing from one sheet of music for Liberty County, I think that's something that uh, that didn't happen in the beginning. I think we talked about that on our last uh, call. But the fact that it did happen, I think that's one of the best things because, I mean, you, you, we got seven municipalities and the unincorporated area of the county, and if we can uh, provide that kind of support and um, guidance for the citizens of Liberty County, I think that's the best thing that, that's happened, uh, the fact that we did have that meeting this week. So I, I just wanted to say that didn't, um, it's not for a vote or nothing. It's just, uh, just my opinion. <laughs> Yep, and I wanted to let uh, the board know that I'm continuing to work with the mayors and city attorneys and uh, have circulated the, the order that we're passing today, and I'm working with the city attorneys to draft uh, emergency orders for each of the cities that will accomplish the, the same things that we're doing here today so that their local law enforcement won't have any issues regarding uh, the executive order and so that our sheriff can uh, be confident that he can enforce violations within those municipalities, which we have intergovernmental agreements uh, for the provision of law enforcement services. Well, we're continuing to work with the cities, and it's anticipated that even after expiration of the governor's executive order, which expires April 13th, I believe, there very well may be need for continued protective measures um, locally. You know, I think most experts, uh, Department of Public Health and others, have recommended that some form of social distancing, other protective measures, may be needed. We definitely for the duration of April and well into May, perhaps. So, as the governor's as uh, executive order um, uh, begins to uh, expire, we'll meet and determine, in consultation with the cities, what. Uh, what protective measures may be needed in, uh, to be continued uh, beyond expiration? And uh, in response to your your comment, um, you know, we will work with the, the city to ensure that we have a, a uniform set of restrictive uh, uh, of protective measures that all residents of the unincorporated and corporate areas uh, can observe. Uh, uh, it was our Mr. Uh, Chairman. Yeah, that's all right. It was our desire to have this done today. That was my goal. Uh, but the governor's order came out so late, it didn't give us uh, ample time to get with all the municipalities. But, they, but they're, as Kayla said, they will be reviewing theirs. We go ahead and adopt ours today, and, and we hope that they'll adopt theirs as soon as possible, maybe early next week. But the goal was to try to do it today. But when the governor's order came down so late, we didn't have time to make sure that the mayor was able to take it back to them and municipalities 
you know, for their approval. But it is, uh, Kelly is working that, so we hope to have that uh, one band, one sound uh, as quickly as we can. Mr. Thrill. Yes, and I'm working this morning. Uh, the goal is to have everything adopted by 6 p.m. this evening. But for those municipalities that can't, again, I'm confident that state law currently gives the sheriff the authority to enforce the provision of executive orders. But, again, it's just uh, assurance that uh, I think uh, is appropriate given the uncertainty of the, of the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, Mr. Chairman. Yes, I, I, I was just having had a question because I've been asked questions about people that are still able to go to work. Um, that they will still be able to drive in and out of the county going yes, to work, or they, do they need some type of pass or anything, or they can just go? No, no, no. Okay, that's okay. I think a lot of uh, employers, especially some of the, uh, the large employers, the distribution centers and manufacturers, they are issuing letters to their employees, but those letters are uh -huh. needed. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. All right. Thanks. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. And, and it's the uh, who, who's that? That's no, what I was to say too. The other thing that, uh, that that could be a question, and, and of course uh, we won't, we'll talk to the sheriff and John about this when we wrap up this call, is um is related to the enforcement of the shelter at home and who is deemed a visitor to that home. Um, the governor's order does lay out some pretty specific things on that as far as who can visit someone home uh, supposedly sheltering in place. And as you know, uh, part of the concerns that we've had in the unincorporated areas of the city of Hinesville have involved uh, birthday parties, uh, family reunions, uh, things like that. So he makes it clear in that order that basically there are only certain visitors that are allowed to those residences under four provisions. I think that also helps, will help uh, enforcement in those situations where those block parties or COVID parties are happening or things like that. Of course, you know, they can always say, I guess there's, it's large enough, we're in the backyard, uh, there's there's 20 of us and we're social distancing. Um, but um, un under this provision of, of who, who shall be allowed to visit those people, he gives some recommendations here too. Um, and that the visitors, even in that situation, still have to practice the distancing of six feet. So I think that'll help, too. Gary, Gary let me ask a question to you real quick. On the uh, tag office, will the tag office be able to reopen behind us if you got room enough? Um, you, you know, Commissioner Stevens, I, I would probably, I'll have to defer and get with uh, the tax commissioner on that. I think what he's doing is following uh, kind of kind of what his um, other tax commissioners are doing as far as distancing. Um, I, it, it's, it's still recommended that um, really businesses or government offices try to limit the number of people in and out totally. So I know the only challenge to that is if he reopens under that measure is how long the line extends out the front door in some cases um, and how he's able to do that. The other thing that happens there is there's a one-to-one -one exchange. Uh, you can't practice really the social distancing that's required to deliver the services. And so, uh, you know, you're going to have direct contact with uh, pieces of paper or the person uh, in a close proximity. So, 
you know, it, it's probably a little less than desirable, but again, I'd have to defer to him as, as far as what that guidance would be. Okay. And they have, uh, as you know, uh, in, in, the, in the governor's orders and some of the things that have been done, actually from the Department of Revenue to the governor, uh, they've extended deadlines. Uh, there, you know, there's nobody being cited for, for having an expired tag within certain periods of time. So, uh, there's been some, uh, tax relief breaks that have been given there as far as deadlines go. And so right now, uh, basically, uh, there, there is no hurry for anyone to have to get a tag. Okay. Any other questions? All right, Mr. Davis, have to formulate the motion we need there to, to approve the. Um, well, as you know, under the county's emergency management ordinance, you have the authority to issue the order, but uh, we've always been done that with the concurrence of the Board of Commissioners. So if someone would like to make a motion to uh, approve issuance of the emergency order, that would be appropriate. Oh, well, Jim, I'm there. Second. Who made the motion? I did a so move. I did a so move. I did. Gary Gillard. And I used Commissioner Stevens on the second. You may have to. You're a little slow this morning, Mary. No, that's all right. All right. Motion in the second that we approve the minutes of declaration. As presented by Mr. Davis. Any further discussion? Um, Mr. Chair, this, this is Justin. Uh, just a quick question, uh, mm -hmm. Mr. Davis. So even after we approve this, we do have have opportunity uh, in the future to amend whatever whatever we we, uh, we do necessary. We we do, but only after expiration of the governor's emergency order. So long as the executive order is in place, local governments cannot. Uh, pass any emergency order that conflicts with his uh, executive order, and more generally, you can't pass any emergency order whatsoever unless it's designed to enforce the executive order. So, for all practical purposes, we won't be able to pass any uh, emergency orders for the duration of the government's executive order. Right. And, and that and that expires when next week, or let's see. Unless, unless it's extended by the governor. That's right. Okay. And then after that, as I mentioned, the, the, the board, in consultation with cities, will decide what uh, protective measures might need to be continued after expiration of the governor's order. Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. Mr. Chairman, um, this is Eddie. So basically this discussion today in this meeting, we talked. I mean, I just want to make sure that I'm absolutely clear on it. And, and, of course, I appreciate the lady from the Department of Health bringing us up to date on the, the numbers and all. But this is this is an enforcement thing that the governor set down. And, of course, I've heard the sheriff a couple of times uh, this morning. I just want to make sure that it, and we got an issue now. Uh, Sheriff Sykes, you on the phone. Uh, is there any issue that you see that's out there before we complete this? No, no, I'm I'm good so far. I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay. All right, so the enforcement part of it, there's not an issue. And, Kelly, you said you have had communication with other cities, so I hope they're reciprocating. They're working with you just as much as we're trying to reach out to them. Yes, sir. 
They are. It's been a very positive experience. Everyone has worked well together. Okay. Like they're waiting on our guidance, uh, Commissioner Walden. Well, that, that's good. I mean, I just, uh, I, you know, we, we're talking about something that I just, I'm like everybody else. It's so new, and I know we're covering a lot of things. Uh, and protection of the com- community is, is uh, up front with all of us, especially me. And, of course, you in the medical profession. And um, I just want to make sure that we, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're everybody's on page following this governor's, um, you know, this, this whatever you want to call it, executive order. Or um, it's, it's a, basically a verbal warning. Hey, guys, you know, we got to, we got to stay in place. And I just want to make sure the resources and all are there. And I'm fine with it. Um, and I'm, I got my hand up. I don't know if you can see it or not, but I'm for it. <laughs> yeah. All in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposes? All right. I just have it. Uh, I guess Commissioner Bo- uh, Bowen has never did join us. Is that right? I heard a crane, right. chainsaw crank up, but it's his guy's <laughs> weed eater over here. I thought it was Pat. <laughs> That's probably one of those. Mr. Chairman, if I could, if I could just update on a couple other things real quickly while we're here. Uh, number one, uh, Jimmy Martin and I had a conversation yesterday that schools are permanently closed now through the year. Uh, we're, we're prepared to go ahead and provide notice that the recreation events, uh, associated usually with that school, uh, through that period of time are also going to be discontinued. Um, there's really, there may be an opportunity, depending on when this thing breaks, to come back in and do something smaller, uh, for a shorter period of time. But pretty much those dates are set by the state for, uh, state tournament play and things like that. And so, um, realizing that, that, uh, it's a challenge always, even when school's in, to, to try to finish before school ends because everybody takes off and leaves. So, uh, their recommendation is that we go ahead and notify those patrons, uh, that that's going to be discontinued. I think most assume that it would, um, and we just need to go ahead and provide notice. We'll start the refund uh, part of that. So I just wanted to kind of make everybody aware of that. Um, also make you aware that at 3 o'clock this afternoon, we're going to do a Facebook Live that we're running up the advertisement on right now where we will do a um, kind of review, a little bit of review with the public of the order, cover the things that Kelly covered here a little bit, uh, even though it's out there for the public to go get. Uh, sometimes they, they look to us to do that, so we're going to try to stand that up at 3 o'clock this afternoon. I've had several phone calls this morning. Several phone calls. You know, can I go to work? You know? Uh, yeah. Can I stay yeah. home at okay. 6 o'clock tonight? So there's a lot of misunderstanding out there. Yes, there is. We're going to run that up at 3, and then uh, we'll, of course, uh, take a copy of the summary and uh, order and put it on the site. Uh, you'll have a way to go get that, uh, to be able to do that. I did want to let you know, too, that um, we've had some issues pretty close to work-related uh, with possible infection of folks. So we're, we're moving ahead to try to produce from the departments what would be considered a staggered work schedule uh, while still being able to provide services. Uh, the thing that we've got to guard against is uh, total infection of a department or division uh, and having to shut that completely down. So. I expect that to come to me the first of the week, and I expect that maybe even by Tuesday, but sometime next week uh, when we talk, to be able to um, kind of talk about the essential workers and how that might work uh, going forward. So that, that's kind of where we are right now. 
Mr. Chairman, on uh, Tuesday, are we still having our monthly meeting at the office, or will it be a call? No, ma'am, you should, you should have already gotten a uh, WebEx invite from, from Clint Stanley. Clint Stanley uh, should have already sent you either yesterday or day before a meeting invite for Tuesday. For well, Tuesday's um, meeting? I don't yes, ma'am. If you haven't got it, I know he sent it to local address into your business address, and he he, um, he did everybody that way. If you had an alternate path, oh. uh, an alternate uh, uh, site. So, but if you haven't got it, please let me know. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll probably on Monday I'll have Debbie call everybody just to give it to you manually. Also, uh, Billy, the phone uh, numbers to call in. Yes, ma'am. I'm confused. Okay, all right. Thank you. Yeah, so, 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 so what will happen is because we have to open more lines at open meeting is that um, uh, it's going to it'll come from Clint Stanley as the website administrator, okay. and it, it'll be a little bit different format. But basically, it's going to come to you in a calendar invite. So all you've got to do is click on that calendar invite, and it populates the information for the call in number and the uh, ID codes. Yo, I, did, I didn't get nothing from Clinton Stanley. Um, yesterday, I had to get this number from I had to get this number from Debbie this morning. Okay, I'll, I'll go I back and check. Uh, yeah, he he copied me on it, and I know he did populated your boxes, but I'm not. We'll go back and double check to make sure. We'll try to send it again. Uh, but don't worry, we will, we will follow up manually um, by by telephone call to give you those numbers to make sure you got them. Okay. Uh, Joey, Joey, what, one other thing before you go, since you mentioned that, I think we need to have a guest next week sometime have a brief discussion on process of budgeting and presentation and how we're going to work things from there on, okay? That's just my opinion. Yes, sir, I agree. And I, yes, sir, because we've already had some faults on that. I mean, obviously trying to get folks to come in in present. I mean, I, I, I you know, and there's a lot of ways that, that we could do that. Uh, trying to have them come and, you, I mean, to, to try to have you all here to distance, that's not a good idea at all. I don't think it sends a good signal at all. Um, so, but, but there are some uh, mechanical means that we could do that. If y'all want, whoever wants to participate, you could run it up on a Facebook Live and uh, and basically question it that way. But we're, we're looking at those options, Commissioner Stevens, of course, you know, the uh, the other fallback option is, hey, we're going to put the budget books together. Today's the last day for submission. Once we finally get them all, uh, Kim's going to run those up and put them in a book. Those will be disseminated to you, and that we just work from the book this year uh, and, and, comp and and really just call those folks we have questions. Uh, but as everything is changing so fast, uh, yes, or definitely, we, we need to get back together. Maybe even have, of course, we'll be on the call next Tuesday. And so uh, hopefully we can talk about that some more, and hopefully we'll have some alternatives for y'all by then. Hey, Joey, okay. Joey I, and I, I was coming back down the hall, down there putting out fires down there. Marin, I, I know you're jealous now I'm a fireman. Uh, <laughs> but, but uh, Joey, I, I was, um, I think I missed all, all, when I came back in, it was Clint Stanley sending the, the invite. But, but prior to that, our meeting on Tuesday at 6 o'clock, our regular monthly meeting, we're going to do that by phone, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay, because so I, I know at the last meeting we had, we had said that we were only going to have one meeting a month and it would be in person on the first Tuesday. So both meetings for the month of April 
We'll be, uh, well, we, we're only going to have one meeting, or we're going to still have two now that we are not meeting? You're going to have one, and we'll do it just like this, by teleconference, and you'll have your packets to go out. And the reason we're switching to WebEx is because, you know, we're try as y'all want to do, we're limiting the number of things on there. We're limiting the people to participate, even over teleconference. And one of those, in this case, will be, you know, Trent Long, who'll come on to talk about the, uh, the road bids. It's the things you got there, but but again, I, I think at the last meeting we we went from from two meetings to one, and the reason for it was because of the social distancing. And but the one was supposed to be a, a meeting held at the admin building. Now we're not going. We we still only going to have one, but it's going to be by phone, right? That's because we know more now about the social distancing, as well as we we have to model the behavior that we want our citizens to model. So if we can still meet and meet effectively this way, the teleconference, then that's what I'm recommending that we do the teleconference route. Well, and, and again, I fully understand that, Mr. Chairman, but social distancing is not an issue over the phone. You know, so if we went to, if we went from two to one because of social distancing, mm -hmm. and now we are doing social distancing, um, we're still going with one is, is what I was saying. But and I and I, I'm fine with just having one meeting every thirty days. I mean that's that's fine. But I thought that we were doing because of social distancing. That was one of the reasons why we cut it down from two to one. Or maybe I missed something. You you, you got it right, Commissioner Geard. I I, I I track you good. I think that um, the other thing that really uh, really helps. The, I, I don't know what you do on a second meeting uh, because now you're limiting only essential items, and on this meeting you've only got four. Um, I, I mean, I think right now, unless it's an emergency, you can easily handle your business now that it's gone to uh, emergency items or essential items only. And in fact, three of these items were bids that were sent out that were already on the table before the COVID ramp up. So, you know, again, obviously we're going to, we're going to do this out what you need us to do. Um, but I do think easily right now, um, you know, you're going to have a very limited agenda anyway. Well, no, I, I wasn't advocating for, uh, for two meetings. I was just saying that, you know, if we did it for that reason, then that reason is still the reason. And, and we have addressed that reason, but, but that's no, I'm, I'm not, um, <laughs> trust me, uh, I, I got another conference call today and then uh, at 2 and another one at 4. And, um, you, you know, so, hey, um, I'm good. I'm good with, um, with, with one meeting or, or any call meeting. I, I mean, I, I'm not. We appreciate that, sir. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not, going on, we'll probably have some more emergency meetings to come. Yeah, yeah that's fine. But, yeah. 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 yeah, listen, listen, thank, thank y'all. I, I couldn't go without thanking y'all again to take a minute on a, on a hair string notice to all be available to handle that administrative piece of what we're doing. Because again, it's like somebody said, Joe Mosley's on the line. He didn't hear me say this, said at the state level, hey, not only are we just building the airplane, it's already actually rolling and the wings aren't on it yet. So, so it's a different every day. And so thank y'all so much for, for, for helping make, you know, for being on the line, because I know y'all all are working, too. Uh, you want to go ahead and you want to buy that book, Matco, today? Hey. No, it's no we can't do that. <laughs> 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 hey, we cover it off. You want to? I don't care. <laughs> my wife is going to out in the yard in my truck. She won't even let me be in the house, so I got to social distance from her. We're getting a king-size bed. <laughs> Commissioner Stevens. 
Yeah, sir. I, I just want to, I heard Joey mention a name this now, and it's kind of strange name to me. I've heard the name, but I've never seen him before. But anyway, welcome aboard, and welcome to the hot seat, Mr. Moses. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Oh, yeah. You talk about, you talk about being thrown into the fire. Uh, he, he walks in, and I said, welcome. You're the new COVID man. Um, <laughs> you're going to take part of everything. Uh, the other thing we're trying to do, just so you know, is we're trying to make our way around. Uh, it's important for me that Joe gets uh, immersed, as I have said, in as much as he can, as quickly as he can. And COVID has even made that more important now uh, because he and I are both aware that, as I said yesterday when I walked out last night, uh, one of us has got to do well. So he, he needs to know as much as I know that we can possibly shove on him in a very quick period of time since we're in an emergency situation. Okay, right. good enough. Commissioners, if I can ask you, I know if you, let's all be um, ambassadors, COVID ambassadors, <laughs> to educate the public. There's so many questions they have out there, and some folk are worrying needlessly, and some are not worried enough. <laughs> but so let's help to um, get the right information out, encourage people to social distance and to hand wash, hand wash, sanitize, um, and don't take unnecessary trips to anywhere. Let's get in groceries and medicines or taking care of personal business. So we can get that message out. We hope to minimize the uh, the hit that Liberty County will take. And we've been blessed so far without loss of life, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, we have had the positive cases. We will have those because the virus is, is all around us. So uh, I just ask you to continue. And I appreciate your efforts thus far to help to educate the public on, on what we need to do at this time. We need we need the month of April at least, at the very least, the whole month of April to to to, to, to um, uh, was that word hunker down? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hunker down and hunker down and knock it down. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and Mr. Chair, just, just an, another question, I guess. Uh, I don't know if that's for Joey or, or Kelly, but uh, the essential businesses, uh, is, is that clarified uh, from, from the state as well? Like, for example, daycares, are, are, are they going to be open or, you know, tax preparers during this time? Are, are they still able to be open? Uh, we're flipping. So, yeah. So, 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 yeah, essential businesses are somewhat identified. He, he, he drops back on the uh, Department of Homeland Security uh, cyber guidelines identifying uh, critical facilities and critical workforce and critical industries. Uh, but he does mention those in there, and I'll let Kelly. Yeah, and uh, just generally, you know, all businesses in the county, unless they're specifically uh, closed by the governor's orders can remain open, uh, and they fall into two general classifications. One is critical infrastructure, and the other are businesses, all other businesses, and those businesses can stay open uh, to engage in minimum basic operations, but uh, that term is so broad, it, it, it specifically includes staying open uh, to the public to conduct business. So, um, you know, the term minimum basic operations uh, shouldn't characterize, you know, the, the scope of the business that could be undertaken during the exe- governor's executive order. Pretty much any business can conduct business and o- open themselves to the public so long as they observe the 20 conditions that are set forth in the governor's order. And that's really the only difference between critical infrastructure businesses and businesses who are engaged in minimum basic operations. It's that there are 16 conditions that are applicable to the critical infrastructure businesses uh, and 20 conditions applicable to the minimum basic operations, uh, those businesses engaged in those minimum basic operations. 
And those, uh, those four additional requirements for all other businesses not seem to be critical infrastructure are enforcing social distancing of non-cohabiting persons while present on their premises, uh, and for retailers and service providers providing for alternative points of sale outside of buildings, including curbside pickup and delivery of products and services, if an alternate point of sale committed under Georgia law, uh, increasing physical space between workers and customers, and increasing physical space between workers' work sites to at least six feet. In all other respects, the businesses that are deemed to be uh, critical infrastructure and in all the businesses are, are, are the same. And, and, and just, I'm sorry. And Justin, the uh, the provision though dealing with you know in-house dining is you know that's prohibited. So they've got to still curbside. And answer your question, and, and we're flipping here a minute. Uh, it does not look like daycares, as long as they can practice the social distancing requirements, are mandated to be closed. They're not on the mandated closure list. Right. Yeah. The the only businesses that are closed without condition are the ones really that are familiar to the public and contained in our local emergency order. And those are um, restaurants, except for you know dine-in, curbside, and takeout, and then indoor amusement businesses like bowling alleys, fitness centers, theaters, uh, gyms, uh, tattoo parlors, uh, you know, beauty salons, all the uh, all the businesses that were already subject to closure under our local ordinance, as well as, of course, bars. Bars, nightclubs, of course, cannot operate during the governor's uh, emergency order. Right. And, and uh, churches aren't still mandated either, are they? Or, or, or are they under the they, they are. They, they are subject to the same restrictions as all other businesses. So, um, you know, whereas before, our local ordinance and many others simply had recommendations for churches, now churches are also subject to the mandatory provisions of the governor's orders, and they and I I'm not intimately familiar with the homeland of uh, part of homeland security classifications, but to my understanding, business uh, churches would not be deemed to be uh, part of the critical infrastructure. They would just be any other business uh, subject to those 20 requirements. Um, you know, they would have to ensure, you know, um, social distancing. You know, they couldn't gather in a in a single space of more than 10 people, uh, those sorts of things. And, of course, the governor and others have really recommended that churches suspend in-person service uh, just because of the potential risk of transmission. And as you know, there have been some counties in Georgia that have been devastated uh, largely as a result of uh, large church gatherings. I think it's Doherty County and uh, specifically have more than 500 right. cases of uh, COVID-19. That's correct, Kelly. Uh-huh. And like I say, Kelly, that, that movie was involved in funeral service uh, on that particular one. I think the one that you're referencing to. So, yeah. That's right. And in North Georgia, and, and to, my knowledge, our local, to my knowledge, our local churches are doing a good job, and uh, they're doing their best to, uh, you know, reduce attendance or suspend attendance of in-person service and are providing alternate means of worship. So I think our church is locally doing all that it can. Uh, but now in the governor's orders, they'll be required to observe those same requirements that other businesses are required to observe under the governor's order. Hey, Kelly, you, you were saying something about 20 provisions. I, I'm, uh, maybe I printed out the wrong um, order. I see one that's got, I see the 16, but it, did you send out another uh, email after this one? Uh, no, I was, I was referring to the governor's executive order. It's, 
and I hate that the, the paragraphs aren't numbered, but if you will turn to the governor's order, it's page four. Uh, it says it's further ordered. This discusses uh, businesses which are not criti critical infrastructure and are engaged in minimum basic operations. And you'll see um, 20 conditions enumerated on that, on that page and the following page. It's, uh, they, are, they are numbered, 1 through 20. But then if you go... Um, I, I got one that's number 1 through 16. So maybe, maybe you did say yeah, I don't know. If, if you go... I don't know. I'll, I'll check and see. I mean, if you, go to, if you go to the page before that, you'll see one with 20 conditions, and those are applicable to all businesses which are not deemed to be critical infrastructure. And uh, the critical, critical infrastructure businesses are, are required to compile the 16 that you are, are looking at, and all of the businesses have to compile the 20. And again, those additional four conditions were the ones I, I read earlier, and, and really pertain to traditional social, social distancing requirements. Okay. Hey, uh, Joey, can you send that, that one back to me? I, again, I, I get um, between ESG, the city of Hinesville, and, uh, and, and, and the county. Um, yeah, they, they all kind of run together. But if you could send that one to me, um, I had a guy <laughs> call me this morning. He said, man, with this order, he said, um, is fishing included? I said, well, you know, I said, can you fish from within your house? He said, no. I said, well, it's included. Yeah. <laughs> but it did say something about uh, about outdoor activities. Uh, or, or rec uh, Let me see what it was on page three. Outdoor exercise and fishing is more of an activity than an exercise, I believe. For me, it would be an activity because I don't catch any, so it doesn't turn into an exercise. That's correct. Okay. Okay. You can travel from your home. Uh, recreation is deemed to be an essential service, but of course, you have to observe social distancing, so it would be largely those uh, passive types of recreation that, that were provided for our local ordinance, you know, jogging, walking, bicycling. But uh, fishing, I think, you know, it's an appropriate recreational activity as long as uh, social distancing requirements are but, but, again, organized sports are not prohibited, you know, from basketball pickup games to softball games, whatever it might be, those are not prohibited because they cannot be engaged in while uh, simultaneously observing social distancing requirements. Okay. All right. All right. And, and, uh, and one more question uh, for you, Kelly. Uh, I know that Gulfstream, I think they have one or two uh, positive tests, and those, uh -huh. that particular department, they, uh, what they did was they, they, uh, they shut it down. So yep. the department shut for a couple of weeks or whatnot. Uh, how, how about uh, with the industrial authority? Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we don't get any more sponsored sense, you know, uh, in our manufacturing industry here locally. But if right. that does happen, are, uh, is there anything that, that we could do, put implement in place, or is it still up to to the individual yeah. uh, employer? Yeah, other, other than monitoring, which is what we are doing, you know, under our... Um, exists under our prior now suspended local emergency declaration, you know, businesses were required to establish written protocols uh, to ensure appropriate social distancing and, um, you know, uh, aggressive, more aggressive cleaning procedures. And so even prior to the governor's executive order, K-12 
county officials were contacting larger employees, especially those in the industrial parks, the distribution centers, and larger manufacturers to ensure that they, in fact, had these written policies and were implementing them. And uh, to my knowledge, everyone uh, was cooperating and had, in fact, established written protocols and were, uh, were enforcing them. Uh, now, those protocols now probably have to be enhanced because the governor's order is very specific about what you have to do as far as staggering your workforce, uh, not allowing gatherings in uh, workrooms and cafeterias, uh, you know, screening employees as they come in to work, uh, a variety of a variety of conditions. And those are the 16 conditions that are listed, listed as critical infrastructure. Because the Department of Homeland Security does classify distribution centers and other manufacturers in our county, uh, you know, that are clients of the industrial authority and that are parks as being critical infrastructure. So they, they will have to observe the 16 conditions. And of course, it does not mean that they, uh, private businesses are free to take additional precautions and measures that they think are appropriate. As you mentioned, for example, shutting down departments. So that's left to the discretion of each business, but they do, uh, have to, comply with the 16 conditions listed in the governor's order for critical infrastructure. And um, Commissioner Fraser, just to let you know, because we, we've had, unfortunately, uh, with some of our internal stuff, I'll go too much better to telephone, but or on this call, but we, we've had some close calls. Um, what the procedure is, is that um, if that business or if, if we, anybody, uh, as, as, a, as a structure, uh, they, we actually call Angela Hartley, She's the contact. She's on the phone. Uh, she gets the specifics of exactly what that outbreak may have been, who they were in contact with, and then it's, it's turned over to them. She basically calls the state epidemiologist, reports what's happened. Uh, she gets a call back from them, and under their recommendation is where those businesses, along with their protocol, would be advised of what to do because it's that, it's that public health declared emergency. Right, right. I think Mr. Fraser should also say that, you know, they're, they're not, to my knowledge, I don't think we have organized uh, labor in Liberty County. We've accepted perhaps one industry. And so if workers have concerns, you know, uh, most will just uh, address those to the management. But uh, to the extent a union is present in the businesses, I know that some unions have been actively negotiating uh, conditions for their, for their members uh, with employers. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, aware of any in Liberty uh, County or surrounding counties, but I know that that has been going on. Okay. Right. I, I, I was just, you know, kind of concerned, like, uh, what authority, if any, would we have if, say, for instance, you know, an outbreak did happen, you know, if it was a particular industry or that had two or three positive tests there, I mean, are, are, will they still be able to function? saying that, that they did everything that or or the steps that, that the state has put in place that they're they're doing. Yeah, I, my understanding is so long as businesses are in compliance with the governor's orders, uh, they would not be closed. Now, you know, I think it, it, these are emergency conditions, so I think all exceptions are possible, but to the extent there might be a a, a large outbreak in a particular industry that probably indicates that they're doing something right. And so the governor or state officials might take more aggressive measures for that business. But, uh, you know, I think that at, at present, 
those sorts of decisions will be left to state officials because, again, under the governor's executive order, I think local law enforcement is precluded from closing those businesses. Now, we can, we can monitor them. We can give notice of violations so that uh, and we're working consultation with state officials, but until the sheriff, I think, is deputized for that purpose, he probably is without authority to close businesses. Yeah, um, Justin, in that order, there is, a, again, an paragraph that, that gives the direction to guidance for business corporations uh, and industry and trade groups. Uh, it gives the Economic Development, State Economic Development Board, the specific industry to regulate those. So, again, kind of tagging on to what Kelly said, I think in that situation, number one, they can be the only, they're going to be the only ones that make the recommendations on what businesses are critical and need to stay open and probably would be involved in that final decision as to what to do in those economic environments. All right. Board order, Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. <laughs> what else do the order? I got that. Yes, sir. Uh, I make a motion that we adjourn this meeting unless somebody else wants to stay on. I got to go. <laughs> I'll second that. We'll second the motion. Okay. All right. Thank you guys for your participation. Let's all stay safe. I tell everybody, be wise, be safe, and be encouraged. Uh, and let's be safe. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Right. Okay. Right. Be good, sir. Go, y'all. Ah. Ah.